Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Nuttall Men Improv. We are very excited to bring you another episode interviewing another very, very exciting guest. I'm Lizzie. Joining me, we have Georgina. Hello. And we have Lauren. Hello. So joining us for this episode, we have Kieran Mawaha all the way from Nottingham. Kieran, welcome to Nuttall Men Improv. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited to just talk improv. So Kieran, you normally improvise with Miss Imp. Uh, Miss Imp is an improv comedy group in Nottingham. There seems to be, I was checking out the Miss Imp website earlier, there seems to be a really thriving improv community in Nottingham, which is really cool. So I'm actually not at the moment with Miss Imp. At the moment, I'm in sort of rehearsals with a group, sort of, we haven't got a name yet, so we'll release the name when we come up with one, but it's um, <laughs> sort of, it's based on like emotional connection. Yeah, so I met this group at a workshop run by Chris Mead, who's fantastic. Emotional connection is kind of his thing. And we met there and we were sort of in rehearsals and hoping to, I guess, do some stuff with that. But yeah, still in rehearsals for that. But watch this space, guys, because we are hoping to do some stuff online. That sounds so cool. So when you say emotional connection, is that in terms of the emotional connection between the characters in a scene or the emotional connection that you as a group are building between yourselves? It's within the characters in the scene. So basically the format that we're working on at the moment is you get sort of two characters. We don't get given a suggestion in the beginning. So it's it's actually set on online. So it's as if two characters are talking over Zoom. So we talk over Zoom, we come in sort of not knowing the relationship, so the relationship is sort of discovered in the beginning. So that happens for about five minutes, and then we'll get a suggestion from the audience or the the online audience about what happens next in this relationship. So there'll be like a big event that happens, and then the second half of that scene will be how the characters are sort of reacting to that event so we can sort of see how their relationship is affected by that event but I guess yeah your second part of that I guess we're all quite bonded because of this fact that we're actually going quite deep sometimes so I think that does sort of bond us together which is quite nice yeah and if you're all meeting for online rehearsals fairly regularly as well I suppose you'll you'll build that bond did you know each other before you started the rehearsals so we'd met I think a few weeks ago a couple of weeks ago on Chris Mead's course and then Laura Mead who's actually Chris Mead's wife she'd come up with this format and got a few of us involved so we're mostly all from that course and then there's one other person who I know who sort of joined us so yes that's how we um we know each other and that's really interesting that an improv group kind of formed from a course and a workshop I think that happens quite often doesn't it in improv like a group will just form out of a workshop which is quite cool yeah I think that's really nice because you do sort of get bonded by going for a course together and if it's like a new format you can really get bonded from doing that as well I watched an interview that you did with Jay Suko a little while back. You said that you discovered improv at a psychology course. I think that's a novelty. I don't think I've heard anybody so far describe that that's the way they discovered improv, which is really interesting. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I think you're right. That is, that is sort of a, I haven't actually heard of anybody else sort of discovering it that way, actually. Yeah, so it was at a British Psychological Society conference, which I'm going to say BPS from now on, so I don't have to keep repeating those words. Okay. So I think their sort of angle on it was that there was a book written which was improv for therapeutic uses so sort of working in I guess yeah therapeutic space with people and how the improv techniques could be translated but actually the course that they put on was 
you're just sort of your introductory sort of improv sort of bits from say a level one course so it was just like a sort of taster for us all which was it was really fantastic and I was like so nervous before I went to it and I was like I normally wouldn't wouldn't do anything like this but you know I feel like I'm going to throw caution to the wind challenge myself a bit um and I went along and it was the most fun I have had and then that got put on the back burner for a bit then I just started a master's in psychology but unfortunately I had to sort of drop out that was a bit of a difficult time in my life so then afterwards I was like well I really could do with having a bit of a hobby something that kind of brings me happiness and I sort of remembered how happy I felt on that improv workshop and the masters was actually in Nottingham so I searched for improv communities in Nottingham found Miss Im and the rest as they say is improv history (laughs) (laughs) that's so lovely that you remembered how happy it made you and you decided to go back to that vulnerable time of your life and it, it brought you that joy again coming like coming to fruition the improv comes to fruition yeah it's just like when you need it it's there for you yeah and I think improv has definitely been there for people during this lockdown and it's definitely yeah brought joy to what is for a lot of us unfortunately quite a dull monotonous and quite difficult time so you got introduced to improv in your kind of adulthood were there any kind of shows or comedians that you particularly kind of followed as a, as a child or a, a young teenager yeah so I guess so I didn't really know much about improv actually until the BPS workshop but I've always sort of been into to comedy like live comedy I suppose these are quite still quite current comedians who who I still love now but I love the the James Acasters of the world James Acaster is like one of my total faves I think he's fantastic I love him uh, Bo Burnham I don't know if you've heard of him but like he yes. actually I think he was the first person who I really really loved and I just thought oh, he's so talented you know normally I hate people who are a lot younger than me who are more talented than me but I was like (laughs) both for you I'll make an exception because you are just so good so yeah just comedy scene in in general but yeah those are my two sort of faves but yeah nothing about improv until like till I was an adult really and I don't really have like much of a performing background at all so yeah I'm a bit of a, a newbie to it or sort of like an I came to it as an outsider but I feel very much accepted by it now which is really lovely. So can I ask you about your background in psychology is that the reason that you're so interested in building like relationships in improv is that something that's very important to you? Yeah I think that is actually one of the reasons why I'm so into that actually I learn so much from improv that I can then put into psychology and vice versa and it's really nice because I just think that some of the skills that you sort of hone or refine in improv are so useful like when you're working with people in a therapeutic situation so it's even just the whole being in the now reacting to what people are saying rather than getting in your head is super important for when you're just working psychologically with somebody as well supporting what people are saying and just basically yes anding what people are saying is really important in you know in psychology as well and I love the whole discovering what's going to happen in an improv scene like step by step with somebody which is essentially the same process happens like in a counselling session so you don't know what's going to happen and you're just sort of discovering what's going to be the material with the person that you're working with there's like so much crossover and I think that's why I really do love sort of going into the emotional 
side of things as well because I just think the empathy that you kind of develop sort of naturally in improv actually kind of thinking about it from a character's point of view and exploring things without making assumptions is so important psychologically so I feel really lucky that I've got like these twin loves that cross over so well yeah Yeah. and that they feed into each other so well yeah because I, I know a lot of people who were sort of have jobs that aren't very creative or don't allow them to express their creativity and eventually they you know get to a stage where they're like well I need to go and do something improv theatrical full-time because I'm not being allowed to express my creativity and I feel quite lucky but actually psychology kind of allows me to express what I love about being with people and exploring emotions and so does improv so I've got these twin loves that I hope are going to be part of my life for years to come really yeah that's really nice Lauren you've got a background in psychology have you found your background and understanding of how minds work and been able to mind read and stuff has that made you better at improv (laughs) (laughs) oh you know the whole mind Kieran do you find that the the whole mind reading joke always comes up when you say always yeah yeah as soon as you say to someone what you do are you reading my mind then (laughs) I like I'm and I'm gonna start saying yes and just staring at them spookily just to see what people (laughs) say that's a brilliant idea yeah Yeah, like Kieran said it's kind of twin loves because the reason I like psychology so much is just being so interested in people and wanting to understand more about how they work you know what makes a person you know and improv just really ties in really well with that even though you end up in some really absurd situations you get to explore that and it just completely spontaneous way it's just sort of they ebb and flow really well together yeah definitely so now Lauren that's really ignited my curiosity so what's your background in psychology do you still um, work in psychology? I, no, I no. don't. I studied um, psychology at undergraduate and then health psychology as a postgraduate. Yeah, unfortunately, I haven't really got been able to do much specific with that. But I definitely yeah, was very lucky to have that experience and just really lucky to be able to do something sort of that interesting. Yeah, it sounds like you're still getting to indulge your curiosity about how people tick through improv though. So that's great. Yeah, yeah. I am able to sort of incorporate it into my day-to-day work a bit that sort of study and improv such like a it's really not an individual activity it's very much you have to be able to relate and empathize and communicate effectively with whoever you're in a scene with otherwise the scene isn't going to work and if you just push your your agenda on onto the scene that's not going to work either so you really do need to have those really key skills of listening and communicating and yeah empathizing yeah absolutely I, I think and that is something also that I just try to take in everyday conversations with anybody and anything so I think if people get on with me better since I've started improv they can thank improv for that because I think I'm a lot nicer to be around yeah I've just kind of learned these conversational tools and I think that's another one of the godfather of improv David Escobedo's things I think he talks about like what you can take from improv into everyday life and I was reading like a quote I think it was from um, Del Close where he was saying like the job of an improviser is basically just to live the best most interesting life possible and then bring back to the stage and that, that was just really nice to to read because then it made me feel like everything I do can be used in improv so I don't ever have to leave improv behind like when I leave like a drop-in it can just be with me all the time and it did kind of spur me on to like try new things have new experiences because I knew okay I could potentially 
use that curiosity for like my next improv scene. So in general, in life, the excitement of improv is sort of suffused into everything that I do, which is really nice. That's so lovely. I love that. Kieran, do you have any future projects or events that you want to promote on the on the episode? I think it's basically what we talked about. It's of my emotional connection group, but basically watch this space for that. So if anybody does want to involve me in any projects, I would be happy to be involved. So yeah, I'll just put myself out there and seeing if anybody wants to do a scene with me or do some improv together, I'm happy to to just connect with people. Yeah. Fantastic. So Kieran has chosen a really interesting topic for the second half of this episode. So Kieran, you were saying you are now currently in rehearsal for a group that's based on emotional connection and going deeper into the emotional relationship between different characters how did that start off how did you initially get involved with that group yeah so that was from the course that we did with Chris Mead and I think obviously everybody there had like an interest in to sort of going deeper and talking about topics thinking about topics that you would think that you might have to steer away from if you were doing sort of improv in general and I So one of my kind of ideas, well, my preconceptions about improv when I first started was, okay, it needs to be funny and maybe the audience are coming here for an escape from their daily life. So every time there's a scene happens to touch on something that could be a bit emotional or, yeah, a bit darker or touching on some of, I guess, the pain that happens in life generally, I kind of thought, oh, you you need to steer away from that as quickly as possible because the audience don't need to see that. But I think going to the emotional connection course just as an audience member and just feeling gripped by where an improv scene could go and obviously we've had the pleasure of sort of in rehearsals watching other people's scenes and as an audience member so I don't want to blow the blow my own trumpet about this group but it's been like really gripping to see where people can go and I think because life is very versatile and there are like fantastically funny joyful parts of life and there are sort of painful more difficult parts of life as well and I guess it's really nice if you can do it carefully and respectfully and kindly that improv can explore those as well I guess people can be really complex they can have really funny happy aspects to their personalities and and things that they find difficult to deal with and include that in one single person and I think the emotional connection side of improv really helped me to explore that and see that yes improv can be that complex as long as we really take care when we're doing it as well obviously because we do have huge responsibilities to take care with things how would you do that? How would you navigate topics that people might otherwise be considered taboo in a scene where you're not entirely sure where the conversation is going? So you have to be more careful about how you control the narrative. How do you manage to kind of balance those two things? Yeah, that's a really good question, Lizzie. So my thoughts on this may be slightly garbled because I think obviously that's like a, an ongoing thing that we have to keep working on. But I think firstly, it's the trust within the group sort of that we can all go there I think just for us as people and improvisers in general it's sort of knowing where our sort of soft spots are sort of where our triggers are personally and sort of knowing in advance okay who who can you go to with with a certain topic etc and I think just on us as improv performers one of the great things that Chris Mead did at the beginning of all of his sort of workshops was he had like a check-in which was basically are there any topics or stuff in scenes that you don't want to perform today just drop that into a chat or you can do that with me privately 
Um, and so I think that's personally a really good way for us as improvisers to do it. In terms of like the audience, that is a sort of like an ongoing thing as well. So I remember um, in an improv level two course, there was a scene um, that was happening between two characters. One of the characters revealed that they were gay and the other character was his friend who hadn't known this. I think that they had a little conversation about it. And then I think one of the improvisers must have been feeling sort of what I felt at the beginning of my improv journey, which was like steer away from this because it's potentially a bit sensitive. And they sort of went away from that scene. And actually we were coached really well. And our coach kind of said, okay, you've hit upon this kind of experience that a lot of people go through instead of like moving away from it, let's treat it with the respect it deserves and actually focus on it for a little while and just see where the scene goes. And actually it ended up, the scene between the two characters was that the friend felt a bit hurt that their friend who was gay hadn't felt hadn't felt able to say to let this friend know and that the friend was like well I thought we were really close etc and actually seeing that played out felt like it was done in a really respectful true to life way and I think sometimes staying with the topic is a more respectful thing to do rather than moving away from it when I think you and the audience knows it's heading somewhere one of the things about art in general that is so important to a lot of people is that it does touch on topics that are kind of hard to talk about and then it can spur conversations about really difficult stuff I think yeah we probably do have a duty to keep working on that trying to do it respectfully but not shying away from it because it's a thing that a lot of people experience yeah and I think improv it is really diverse so you can you should definitely can and should have the silliness and the joy and the complete light-heartedness that improv has there's definitely a space for that and there should be a space for that and there should also be a space for you know exploring these sort of deeper darker things and that that's what's great about improv in general but I think that the same is true for all of art forms is that they should be allowed to explore everything as long as it's done respectfully and kindly and yet just keeping in mind the people who are going through these experiences. Yeah, um, so actually as I'm talking, I'm kind of thinking more about your question, Lizzie, because I think it was a really good question. I feel like I need to think about it more. And I think probably one of the things we can do is sort of make sure that we are, if we are going to touch on these subjects, taking our improv to people who've gone through the experiences that we're talking about and just checking with them is this a respectful way to tackle what you're going through and maybe to get you know them involved in the creation of of improv well I suppose that's a thing that happens with art in general is that really you want people who've gone through those experiences to get involved in the making of their art and sort of telling their own stories and I think that's a really nice sort of way to go with improv I guess then begs the question of how are we going to try to make improv as safe and inclusive a space as possible which I guess is what we were talking about in the inclusion panel I guess Lizzie. Yeah because wasn't improv initially created as a medium for kind of vulnerable groups to talk about their experiences or have I got that completely wrong wasn't improv used as a kind of therapy tool initially before it was a kind of more of an art form in itself? Oh well I actually don't know the answer to that Lizzie but if that is the case that would be really cool that's like another area of excitement for me is that I'd like to sort of take it into sort of the mental health field and I'm sure like lots of other people are doing that as well to kind of see if that 
can help people you know and I think it's actually fantastic that people who struggle with their mental health at some point or another do come to improv and really tackle their fears I mean because I don't know how people have reacted to you guys when you've said that you do improv but anyone that I talk to immediately says oh my god it's so daunting I could never do that I could never get on stage and then it does make me think oh god yes it is daunting but actually if you because Miss Imp I think are an incredibly supportive community I remember sort of going to my first drop-in and thinking oh my god I'm never going to be as good as these people and then sort of the drop-in after I was like all I want to do is get up on stage with you guys because it seems so much fun and it was and so I think that that's what improv can do it can be that supportive and allow you to sort of discover aspects of yourself that you I don't know have been ashamed of before and I knew someone who actually hadn't spoken for like years of her life because she was so anxious and she came to do imp- and she managed to like come and do, do an improv course and I was just like so blown away because everybody finds improv daunting for somebody who has that you know level of anxiety to come and be able to do it is absolutely fantastic so I think as long as we really work hard to make sure it is supportive it can really help although we should have absolutely say it's like no substitute for therapy people who obviously need it and would like to go and get psychological support but improv can definitely be like a really supportive community to sort of get to know yourself and understand yourself and be supported and accepted by people which is really important yeah that's really really well said I've struggled with social anxiety for a long time and I definitely put off joining thespionage because I just was so anxious about having to be on a stage and speak in front of other people and be good enough to be in the group and then when I finally kind of gathered enough courage to join, it was just the most wonderfully cathartic. And yeah, it was it was almost like a therapy, even though I didn't do it for very long because it just gave me back all the confidence that I'd lost over the years. And yeah, just the amount of kind of adrenaline that it gives you and the amount of like self-esteem that you kind of claw back from just being on a stage and being in a character. It's, it's really weird, isn't it? How kind of cathartic it can be. But I yeah. think definitely for, for people with that anxiety, improv, it can be really daunting, but actually for a lot of people it's much easier to get on a stage and be a really silly character or be in a scene than it is to I don't know go and have a phone call with somebody or or be in a large group of people like for me improv has definitely been a a positive influence on my mental health and a lot of people's mental health for sure yeah and I think correct me if I'm wrong Lizzie but I think a, a huge thing that a lot of people struggle with in general is knowing what to do with uncertainty and feeling comfortable with being uncertain um, and sort of needing to be in control because the unknown is like really scary Uh, and I think that can be like a factor in a lot of people's I guess struggles or struggles with mental health and I think improv is like really fantastic with that because you don't know what's going to happen but if you can get on stage and realize that you've created something somebody supported you and you've created something from nothing I think that does really start to help you kind of think well I've already done something that was completely unknown I got up on stage with no preparation actually in life I can prepare a little bit and that can teach you that actually you can cope with a lot more uncertainty than I guess we all think we can as people definitely has thespionage ever tried to explore less focus on the the surrealist absurdist comedy that we generally fall into I don't think we have I was thinking about this you know when I knew what the topic was and I think 
for me, one of the, the kind of barriers I often have that stops me from maybe doing things that are a little bit more personal, more vulnerable, more exposing is thinking about the audience's expectations when they come to the show. I think it's reasonable to say that with other art forms, like we were talking about with acting, for instance, you expect actors to, in the course of kind of getting into character and preparing to tap into a vulnerable part of themselves that will make their role more convincing, you know, if it goes into kind of darker territory. And with stand-up, you know, you expect comedians to get up there and, and kind of and bear their souls and, and talk about their lives and things that have happened to them, which can often be quite serious things in a self-deprecating dry funny way but I feel like improv is different because there is this kind of air of sort of silly creativeness and also certainly with us anyway having short form games and everything being quite quick fire and quite snappy it is quite difficult to sort of deep dive into into more potentially emotional things I think on the quite few occasions that we have it does actually have a lot of impact because it's such a huge contrast normally to the rest of the show and it subverts the audience's expectations but I think there's a balance you know if you do it too much it might be less effective it's definitely great to go to those places if you can and, and see what comedy you can find because it'll probably be quite different to, to what has been expected but I think that's one of the main things that might stop me it's like oh is this getting a bit heavy is this is this going to make people laugh is this what they want to watch <laughs> Yeah, no, I definitely think you're right, Georgina. I think going back to what, what we're all talking about, about how improv is so diverse, like we need as many different forms of improv as we can get. We need to definitely keep the silly, the lighthearted, the simply joyful as well, because people definitely do need that, especially now. And it's just sort of feeling confident, sort of, I guess with discovering scenes, it's having the confidence to sort of go wherever they lead, whether that's like into an emotional place or whether that's coming from an emotional place, going to like a really lighthearted place. But then I guess that takes a lot of skill to sort of navigate that. So that is something that the Emotional Connection Group is kind of really struggling with at the moment or trying to work on because we're confidently thinking oh well that scene started like in quite a dark place and then it became quite light-hearted is that okay is that what we're going for or was this this scene actually was went to quite dark was that okay for the audience did the audience enjoy that and that that is the kind of thing that we're wrestling with at the moment I guess an exercise that kind of puts me in mind of that would be really helpful for this kind of thing for finding comic moments in uncharted or not very comedy stereotypically comedy territory we'd be doing like what we call a vanilla scenes exercise so you do a scene where you have a very bland straightforward premise and you just try and do a completely straight scene with no no puns no gags no jokes and just let the comedy kind of come up slowly to the surface but just try and the whole time play it very straight and not do anything weird or deliberate for laughs it's a it's definitely a challenge um, but it's a really good one because it's amazing how it will just kind of start popping its head up and appearing also funny we can't help ourselves <laughs> mm, that, that's really good I, I'm gonna well I'm gonna suggest that to the group for our next rehearsal that we'll do that as a warm up exercise there thank you Georgina yeah. oh you're welcome oh yeah you should you definitely yeah. should <laughs> it's really good as well if quite a few of us at Thespionage we we acted before we did improv so if you if you've done acting then it's probably a bit easier do like a straight scene and uh, actually I think people in kind of in our uni society whenever it was suggested as an exercise people would be like oh god no not that I don't want to do that it's not fun but I always found it really fun I think that will definitely help with the whole there's comedy in everyday life yeah because I imagine that always comes out even if you're trying to do the most boring scene ever it ends up being yep. yeah there's some moments of like yeah comedy in it so that sounds really good 
I'm just going back to the vulnerability and improv. I think just to say as well, because I, I guess we've been talking quite a lot about going to sort of the darker places in terms of with vulnerability. Probably quite a good thing to say that that can actually there can be like some really positive, happy, like really loving, light-hearted scenes that come from the vulnerability place as well. Because when when we've been rehearsing, we do as well tend to go down the sort of darker aspects of it we did have a discussion and and one of the people in the rehearsal was like it, you know it can be light-hearted as well it can be positive and we're like yeah you're right actually and we we tried it out with some really um positive scenes but with that sort of same sort of emotional honesty that characters had for each other and it was really lovely I think the first sort of scene that I had seen of that which just was like a really special moment I think for everybody watching was in like a workshop run by Kate Knight and I think the exercise was you have to be doing something I don't know so say like ironing or just a sort of random normal chore but then you just start talking about another thing it can't be about what's what you're doing it just has to be about a general thing so there were two improvisers just sort of sweeping pretend snow and and it it just became like really natural and authentic and one of the improvisers started talking about her daughter and how proud she was of her and how much she loves like the woman she's growing into and we were like that is such a sweet special moment and we didn't think you know that that would happen in like an improv show so I think yeah there's some really positive happy scenes that can come come from that as well. Do you think that because in those kind of scenes where you're not actively trying to be funny, you're not, tr- you don't have any agenda as to where the scene's going to go, you're not trying to push for the comedy, that there is that kind of more natural reactions of, I'm just going to talk about this thing that I've had experience in, like my daughter, who I'm really proud of. Do you think it's much more an organic kind of way of building a scene because you're not so focused on getting those five puns in and all these jokes about, I don't know, ducks or whatever? Yeah, definitely. So much so. Every time that I hear the guidance of you don't have to be funny, I just breathe a massive sigh of relief because the only time when I felt pressured, like going into an improv scene is like, oh, I hope this is funny. I hope this is funny. And because there've been improv scenes where I don't feel pressured, most improv scenes I don't feel pressured because I take away that pressure to be funny. And it just becomes like a really special sort of conversation between me and my scene partner and I love that aspect of improv so I yeah I really think we need to take it off ourselves this pressure to be funny and I think like you were saying vanilla scenes with Georgina you were saying and you can just see where the humour comes from I think that just shows that if you just keep talking long and well people say specifics are funny first of all and if you just keep talking and sort of everybody's got their own sort of idiosyncrasies their own uniqueness that makes them wonderful and if you take away the pressure to be funny, all of that comes out. Whereas I think if you put on yourself the pressure to be funny, actually the effect of that is everybody conforms because everybody's got a set idea of what they think funny is. And we will all go to the same place when we try to be funny. So actually when, you, when you're taking that pressure off yourself, that's when improv becomes really interesting because then you are truly bringing yourself to it rather than like subscribing to this, I think, conforming idea of what funniness is. I was just thinking when you said about being vulnerable on when you're doing improv, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that it's really dark. I suddenly remembered a time when improv sort of imitated life a little bit when um, I, my boyfriend Rory's in, in Thespionage and we don't often do two person scenes together and we got put into a game of Whose Line 
which for anybody listening who doesn't know the game is when you have lines written by the audience stuck in your pocket and you have to pick them out of your pocket without having seen them before and and say them as part of your character's lines in the scene and then carry on and, and justify them. And the two of us got up there and I can't remember what the suggestion was, but we ended up and it was established pretty early on that we were a estranged couple or a couple who've just broken up who bumped into each other in the supermarket. And when I realised that that had kind of been sort of been thrust upon us, but we, you know, chose to go with it. I thought, oh my goodness, is this going to feel a bit awkward? Because he is actually my boyfriend. And as the the scene kind of went on, it flowed so quickly and came out so naturally. And part of my brain was going, oh my goodness, is this what it would be like if we did actually broke up and we bumped into each other in Tesco? This isn't good. I feel like I'm seeing into my future. Um, But it was really funny because we were both pretty much just being ourselves and being really snippy and obnoxious with each other and like really passive aggressive. And I don't know if the audience, most of the laughs in the audience were coming from people who knew us and knew we were a couple and were like, oh my goodness, this is hilarious. Um, Or if we were just that kind of convincing and funny. But yeah, I just really, I really vividly remember that in my mind because of what it was like as a real life couple, being a couple who were fighting so badly on stage. Yeah, that scene like sounds like it would be so amazing to watch because you'd already had that relationship and that I suppose that trust with each other and that emotional connection as it were was already built so you didn't have to like find that before you improvised it sounded like it made it just really natural and true to life I think it was another David Escobedo thing that he said about the audience can kind of see if you're working really hard and actually it sounds like in that scene you you and your boyfriend didn't have to work very hard at all because it just became natural it just became like you were talking to each other like there was no hard work at all and it just sounded like it just was just so easy and I think the audience would really respond to that. I think performing with people with who you have an emotional connection is really important though because myself and Anthony we were doing oh we were we were rehearsing a few weeks ago with just with with the Thespionage guys just because we wanted to do some improv together and we were in a scene together and he was being really like aggressive and angry and he was kind of like scowling at me and kind of shouting at me in a way that he doesn't usually because Anthony he's my husband is very chill and it really like really put me on the back foot and I was like I really don't know how to respond to this and I got like quite kind of anxious about like him reacting to me in that way but I think it's because we do have that kind of connection that I was kind of a bit like oh you're not usually like this I don't know how to respond instead of kind of being like he's just pretending it's just to see he's acting so I think Mm. maybe I think having a, a connection with somebody who you spend a lot of time with it makes doing a scene with them kind of weird but also because you you are like vulnerable and you are emotional with that person when they react to you in a certain way you respond how you would in real life because they're your life partner or whoever yeah and and I think I suppose it's at least you when that scene ended you could because you knew each other so closely you could actually talk about it and make sure that you know both of you felt okay at the end of that scene yeah I I suppose that again comes down to sort of trust and being able to trust that your scene partner won't sort of make you go to places that you don't want to go too. But I think that can be really special when there's a group or a, pe- a group of people who perform together for a long time, because there might be certain things that you know that your scene partner will go to. And then it becomes really special because you know that you can go to those places together. I, when I was doing my 10 minutes with John Newen, who's fantastic, um, improviser which I guess you know Lizzie because he was on the improv panel with us mm. but and he's like a fantastic actor in general so he's just 
great to improvise with but we were doing this scene where and our suggestion was like a really happy happy word and it was like oh it was like yes or something like equally enthusiastic it was from David Escobedo so you can probably guess it's going to be like really enthusiastic (laughs) so we'd gotten to this top of this building and we were having like this blissed out calm scene and eventually John's character was like Vicky who was who's me in the scene was like Vicky I'm not going to make it down from this and it turned out that his character was terminally ill. And I was like, I can't believe like he trusted me enough to go there with me in that scene. But it felt so special that he had. And it became like such a really special moment. And I, I think we just ended up, so our characters like really love to dance, I think. And we just ended up silently dancing together at the end. And it became like a really special moment. And I also think that that can really help sort of take the, take the pressure off to be funny as well. I don't know what's brought that into my mind when we're talking about something that's, you know, potentially heartbreaking. But I think when somebody does go to that sort of emotionally truthful place, suddenly you're just, you're just focused on them and what they've said and not about the fact that you're doing a show and that there's audiences there watching. It's just about the characters and how they're reacting to that really important moment for them. So I think that's part of the reason why I kind of get drawn to that side of improv as well, because when somebody goes there with me in a scene, that immediately makes me forget that I'm doing a show and allows me to just concentrate on the here and now on to I guess what my scene partner has said and I guess that's a nice crossover in with psychology because I I would say in general I'm quite an anxious person just in general but it turns out like when somebody's going through a crisis I can actually go to like a really calm place because I'm like I haven't actually got time for my own fears here I have to help this person and I'll I will do whatever they need and that really calms me down so that's similar in psychology if if somebody's talking to me about something you know potentially difficult that helps me sort of calm down and stay in the moment with them and it's quite similar in improv that when somebody goes to that emotional place I'm like right it's just between us now it's just exploring what's happening between us so I think that's partly why I personally do enjoy those kinds of scenes not saying that I don't enjoy the hilarious and absurd I do love those as well but yeah I think that's a particular reason why I love getting emotionally connected that sounds like it must have been a really amazing scene with the rooftop dancing but it does sound like quite emotionally difficult for some performers particularly groups that don't know each other as well and maybe aren't sure of boundaries and things I've heard a few performers who've been on the podcast saying that they've been in groups where they sort of debrief afterwards what are your thoughts on that well, so we, we don't at Mythimp, but I do when I'm sort of volunteering for Childline, which is like, obviously, it's not a similar thing, but I guess we, we like, we're hearing harrowing stuff and we're sort of going through that with a young person. And I think if you are going through that in an improv scene as well, I would be all for that, actually, because I, I think it's just another sign that we care about our improvisers as people. And it's not just about the shows they put on and performing for an audience. It's actually about making sure that they're OK as people. So basically that means I'm up for debriefing in all of life because we should always be caring about people when they go through harrowing stuff. But I can definitely see that as a really good thing. And it does sort of normalise like being affected by things. I think sometimes people think, 
oh, well, I can't really sort of let on that I was affected by such and such a scene. Because I know that we are told that we can put our hands up and stop a scene in the middle of it. Something in me stops me doing that. I don't think I've been totally close to it, but there have been certain scenes where I'm like, okay, well, this could be veering off to something strange, but I'm going to look after myself and just carry on. And I'm not sure if I would feel able to kind of put my hands up and stop the scene. I think if we were debriefing, I think that would normalise the fact that people might say, actually, this scene kind of affected me a little bit. And then everybody would be just like, thank God, because this scene affected me. And then we might all be a bit more comfortable taking care of ourselves and knowing that it's okay to stop scenes when it's uncomfortable for us. And I think going to your point, Lauren, about if some performers feel uncomfortable about doing this, totally fine not to do it then as well. I mean, as we were talking about this, like you can definitely stick to the lighthearted, fun side of improv, which is completely equally valid and wonderful as well. So it's about sort of making sure that if you are going to go there, I suppose finding a tribe of people that want to go there with you and also getting to know them as people as well. When I was doing my like level three course, our instructor did kind of say, okay, now that you know each other a bit, it might be good for you to like go on like friend dates, like where you just go, I don't know, for meals or like this is pre-COVID obviously, like meals or like drinks out with you know people on the course just to get to know each other as people and I thought like that was like a really nice idea and would just be like an extra bonding thing and help us to feel safe improvising together so I would totally advocate that as well personally I just feel so this is going to sound really corny but I just feel a lot of love for the people I'm improvising with because I just think, okay, we've gone on stage with nothing and we've created something and I can't believe we've done that and you've done it with me and thank you very much and I would really appreciate that. And I was talking to another improviser recently, pre-improv, it took me quite a long time to sort of feel comfortable with people in terms of like divulging any personal stuff that I was sort of going through. But as soon as I sort of met Miss Imp, and improvisers because we were just so bonded together by doing this incredibly scary thing together but getting each other's backs it felt like our friendship was accelerated by I don't know tenfold and I suddenly have like these really strong bonds with people that I've known for really only about a year and a half ish and some of these are like I hope going to be my best friends for life and I think improv does take you on that journey together and having that support from people just really means that you can get friends for life when I'm recommending improv to people one of the things I say is actually if you're worried about performing don't actually worry about that for one second one of the great things about it is if you do find your tribe you're going to make friends for life I think yeah because do just the act of doing the improv just the act of putting yourself on a stage where you don't know what's going to happen you're not necessarily in control of what's going to be happening and you're going to have to react to that is a place of incredible vulnerability isn't it? Mm. Just that, that act. So maybe that makes it easier then to be more open and be more true to yourself when you're performing in a way. I definitely think so. It's kind of amazing to hear a phrase like that because I guess we've all sort of been doing that for quite a long time now. But then when you when you phrase it like that, Lizzie, you're right. It's, it is a huge act of vulnerability that we've all kind of gone through with each other. So I don't know, that just makes me feel like I want to give you all a big hug. <laughs> <laughs> A hug. Yeah. Virtual hug. So a socially distanced hug. 
Kieran, thank you so much for coming on to the episode and talking talking about your experiences. It's been a really, really interesting and engaging conversation. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. It's been so much fun to talk to you guys. And yeah, I hope we can get to talk more in the future and I don't know, maybe even improvise together, which would be really cool. Definitely. We should definitely do that. That would be we so should. much fun. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.